It's um, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what had been said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, at the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Thank you. Okay, so um, when I was about eight or nine years old, um, I found my Christmas presents in my mum and dad's cupboard before Christmas Day. Um, I think it was about a month before, because I remember there were several visitations to the presents, so I could peer on them, and um, it was Technics Lego. Um, and um, I remember looking at them, getting really excited about building um, this thing uh, with my brother on Christmas Day. And, um, but one day I got caught. Um, I got caught peering at the presents um, and pulled off for it. Um, but um, Christmas Day came, I was given the presents. I wasn't surprised by what it was. Um, we played with it and me and my brother were pretty creative. So we went past just the instructions. We created something else on the pieces. And we enjoyed it for quite a while, um, but there was something just about finding that present early, something about um, Christmas just being about the presents that actually it faded away, meaning that Christmas wasn't there. Um, it, the meaning of Christmas isn't that I try to find my present before the day. Um, there was something missing there. Um, and I think in Simeon and Anna, we see something about Christmas that um, that doesn't fade away, that's something that does satisfy and, and go on for a long time. Um, so we're, we're at this stage, Jesus is eight days old, and um, 
they, they go to the temple, as was the law of the land, as Hannah read, and they dedicate Simeon. It's where he would be circumcised and he would be given his name. Um, and um, they'd have to travel a, a, a distance to get here as well, we forget that. It was probably about a 12 mile hike from Bethlehem. And um, I imagine, not that I've had many babies myself, but I imagine walking 12 miles is quite an effort after having a baby. Um, I imagine that Joseph probably had a man flu because had to sleep in a stable for a night, so he would be pretty grumpy as well. Um, the parents I've known with newborns, they're basically in survival mode for the first two weeks, four weeks, maybe longer. So that the fact that they have to travel somewhere, um, and then they go to this temple, and there's these two old people that probably smell a bit, um, and go and poke the baby. Um, you don't really want that to happen, I imagine. Um, so it's quite an odd thing for this to happen, but it, but it happens. And these two people, Simeon and Anna, are there, and they've been waiting for Jesus for a long time. Okay, so just a few things um, about Simeon. I think he's an absolutely amazing character, and there's so much that we can learn from him. So first of all, Simeon was from a group um, called the Hadassim, who were known as being sincere, earnest worshippers of God, which is quite a cool thing. Um, they were like really um, sincere, so they, they followed the letter of the law, but they also followed the spirit of it as well. So it, they weren't doing stuff just to show, they weren't doing it just because it was written, they actually really believed in it, and they wanted uh, to do it. Um, they really um, saw the meaning behind what they were doing. Um, he's also described as being just, or righteous as it was in the reading, so um, he was good with people, um, he was good with community. And he really loved the people that were around him. And you could say that he worshipped God fully just by loving the people that were around him, by serving them. And we don't know if Simeon lived in a temple like Anna does. So he might have been a teacher, he might have had another job and just come um, on an evening to the temple uh, to do things. Um, he was also described as a virus. He was really devoted to God and God was number one in his life. Um, he had a great attitude uh, towards God. And it's interesting to think that these are the two first commandments, the things that Jesus will go on to say. These are the most thing, important things in life, to love God and to love people. And this guy is already doing it. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, and then I think we also see as patient. There was a line in there that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And I didn't know what that meant before I started planning this talk, but... Um, the whole of the Israelite nation were waiting for a saviour. They had been for thousands and thousands of years. And Simeon was one of them. He was waiting for the saviour to come that had been promised. He was waiting and he was waiting. And he particularly was waiting for this, this Messiah to come. And um, it's, it, he, he knew that it was worth the wait. He'd been promised that he would see the saviour. And he was waiting with expectation. And he, he did see Jesus. And I think we can stop there and we can look at Simeon's character and think, actually, he's quite a guy. Um, he's sincere, he's earnest, he's just, he's devout, he's patient. Um, I'd quite like a friend like Simeon. Or um, if I was to die, I'd quite like someone to say those words about me at my funeral. That would be pretty cool. Um, but there's extra things about him. And firstly, I think he's just he's a really authentic guy. He means what he says. Um, um, he doesn't go behind anyone's back. He doesn't put up front. Um, he's exactly who him, he says he is. And um, I was at a, a conference a few weeks ago, 
and one of the speakers there was talking about um, this thing about how authenticity trumps being cool. And he gave an example of um, um, an overweight American pastor wearing skinny jeans. He said, that is not good. You can't, there's no point trying to look cool. Um, um, needs to be authentic first. Authenticity always trumps cool. And for me, that's true with Simeon. Um, he's so authentic that actually that, that is, that's enough, that's brilliant. And just by his attitude, that, worse, that gives God worship. And I think the thing that makes a difference for, for Simeon is that um, we read on, he was full of the Holy Spirit. This really makes a difference. So when Jesus arrives, um, he knows exactly who Jesus is. Um, I imagine he had lots of babies coming his way to be, um, to be brought to the temple because that was a Jewish custom. All boys were brought there. All boys were circumcised um, aged eight days. But there was something different about Jesus that stood out that he noticed and maybe other people wouldn't. Um, but he was full of God. He was full of the Spirit. And that makes a difference. And the fact that he actually recognised who Jesus was, um, that is an act of worship. When we recognise who Jesus was, if we fully recognise that, then that is worship. And um, there's a song that he sings, um, which I imagine was pretty odd. If you're the parents of a new baby and someone says, I'd quite like to sing a song of your child. I imagine that was a bit of an awkward moment. Um, but in one of the words in it is that he says, I will now depart in peace. So he's basically saying, I can die a happy man. I can die content because I've met this baby who is going to be the saviour of the world. And I just wonder, um, when you're celebrating Christmas this year, in previous years, um, could you depart in peace? Would you depart a content man or woman um, because you know the Christmas story? Because you know that Jesus came to save us from our sins. Um, I wonder if you've ever considered that fully. So um, this is the Roman Empire. And um, years and years ago, um, time was managed differently. So we read at the start of Luke's Gospel, it says this. um, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taking place in the entire Roman world. This took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. That's a really clumsy way of basically saying it was this year. This guy was in charge. Um, it's kind of like us saying now um, it's, we're in the third year of Cameron or the fifth year of Obama. Um, but we don't measure time like that now, do we? Um, so about um, 600 years after Jesus was born, there was a monk who lived in Rome who proposed a new system of um, a reckoning history. His name, and I'll try and pronounce it right, was Dissonius Exigus, um, which is a Latin. Does anyone speak Latin here, by the way? Good. Um, um, it's, it's Latin for little Dennis. Um, it gets better than that. Um, it sounds more impressive in Latin, doesn't it? Um, but he was also known as Dissonius Deliquitisus, which means Dennis and Menace. <laughs> Apparently. Um, But he suggested that actually we should do time measured by Jesus. So that he was the guy that invented the before Christ, BC, and Anno Domini, AD. That's how we measure days, and so that's how we measure years now. And do you not think it's amazing that um, this guy who was just a carpenter to most people, he didn't write a book, um, he didn't didn't hold an office anywhere, 
But yeah, pretty much the whole world now runs their year system on Jesus. Even some nations that don't have him as Lord, Islamic countries, um, communist countries. Um, I think it's pretty amazing that actually Jesus changed the way we even think about history. Not, even, not even, only that he changed history, he changed the way that we actually think about history. So Simeon sees the significance of the moment that he's got before him. He's got this baby. And for some it would take years, decades, in case of this monk, 600 years to work it out. Um, he worshipped fully in that moment. So now we're, uh, we're going to move on to talk about Anna. So, um, Anna. So, um, I love this picture as well, how she's had a perm. Um, didn't think that would really be available in those times. Um, so, it says in the reading that Anna was 84. Um, some translations kind of say that actually she's been a widow for 84 years. Um, so that would make about 107. So she's pretty old. Um, I don't have any grandparents anymore. They died about 20 years ago. So the closest thing I've got to grandparents is Hannah's grandparents. And we were with them a few weekends ago. And her grand is about 84. Um, so I was kind of thinking about the parallels. Um, she just celebrated her 60th wedding anniversary, um, which is pretty cool. It was amazing to celebrate that with them. Um, but Anna... Um, has a very different story. She was a widow, and Jewish custom would be that, that the woman would get married aged about 12 or 13, and we know she was married for seven years, so if she died at 84, she's had about 64 years um, on her own. Um, if she didn't um, die then, uh, she's had 84 years on her own. And um, a widow um, can know what it's like to, to live a long, lonely life. Um, they've got fond memories of the time they spent with their partner before they died. Um, and in Anna's case, she's got an awful long time on her own. Um, she had the option, probably, to um, just to wallow in self-pity, to, um, to kind of blame someone, blame something, uh, blame God. But she doesn't. Um, she devotes herself um, to the one that promises to be a husband, to the widows. And we see lots of stories like that in the Bible of how God tells us to, to care for the widow. And so she goes and she moves into the temple and she looks after people there and is looked after herself. Um, so she's been a widow for an awful long time. Um, she's described as a prophet. Um, so she hears from God and she speaks God's uh, word to people. Um, I think she's also a prophet by the way that she lives. Um, she lived a really expectant life. She expected like Simeon, to see her saviour. That's the way that she lived. And I think that's a calling for us as well. Um, we're called to live prophetic lives, to live as if Jesus is coming back, because he is. And we're, we're meant to live um, differently. And um, I think as well, like Anna, that doesn't guarantee us an easy life. Um, it doesn't guarantee that everything will be rosy and nice and easy. It, it really doesn't. And we can take great strength from Anna. And do you remember a few weeks ago when we had ignition and Joe was speaking to us about the myth that God won't give you more than you can handle? And I was really struck by what she said in a verse from 2 Corinthians. Said, when we, um, Paul says, when we are faced with death, um, we look to the one that can raise people from the dead. And I think Anna models that pretty well. Um, she looks to God for, for help. Um, 
She spent her time in, in the temple praying, fasting, worshipping all day, every day. She's basically in a 24-7 prayer room all her life. Um, and I think you can look at that two ways. Either it's really, really cool, or actually she's a bit of a nutter and she's probably a bit daunting. I think I would be quite daunted to meet her. Um, she's probably very holy and I would, I would feel just very daunted by meeting her. Um, but I think the truth is actually... Um, she wasn't nutty. She was just dedicated to God. She was doing the thing that um, she uh, was able to do. Um, as a widow in those days, um, uh, you would have to rely on the church to help you out because there was no social care system to help you out. She couldn't really get a job. Um, it says she had no children, so she had no hope of her sons getting jobs provided for. She had to rely on the church. Um, yeah, so a question for you maybe is, is where is your temple? Um, where is a place where you worship, where you fast, where you pray? And um, for all of us, it's not going to be the temple. We don't have the time to spend in a 24-7 prayer room all the time. Maybe it's your journey to work. Maybe it's your kitchen. Maybe it's um, your house or um, maybe it's somewhere else. Um, so in Anna as well, um, we see that um, she has really big faith. Um, like Simeon, she was presented with this baby, who was just a baby, uh, but yet she knew that this baby was the one um, that was the one that was going to save Israel and save the rest of the world. Uh, and it's quite a big statement to kind of uphold it and say, this isn't just a baby, this is the king of kings. This isn't just a helpless being that requires care. This is the one that's um, going to be the one that will reverse that. We will be the ones that, that need his care um, to do anything. Um, she, sh- she shows massive faith to see the potential. And when she shows that, that faith, she worships God fully. She puts him in his rightful place. And lastly as well, she, she knew her salvation. She knew in that moment that actually in Jesus she would get her salvation, which is, which is worshipping God as well. I don't know how you find the idea of, of worship. Do you find it easy or do you find it hard? Um, do you consider worship just being that as led by Tim Purdy, um, as he led so great today? Is that, the, 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 is that all your worship? Or do you find it easy to worship on the street in your day-to-day life, in the way that you treat people, in the way that you um, go about your life, the decisions that you make? Um, I don't know if you find that easy or or hard. Um, what is our response to this? Do we, do we feel like we worship God fully? No. Do we feel like we're satisfied? Do we feel like we've got the satisfaction that Anna and Simeon um, had when they met this helpless baby? Um, do we feel like we know Jesus? Jesus was a guy that completely changed history. Um, I read part of a book recently about this and um, this guy kind of just tracked back all through history and all the different things that either Jesus changed or his followers have changed. And it's absolutely astonishing that this one guy, this carpenter, who was born in a stable, um, who was born homeless, everything that he's actually changed. Um, for instance, who's, who's got a watch on? Quite a lot of people. Well, um, the watches or a clock was invented by some monks they wanted to have a rhythm of prayer. They wanted to be able to pray every hour or every other hour. So they created a clock system so that they could do that. 
Um, recently we had Compassion Sunday here. Um, Jesus changed the way that we do Compassion. Um, he completely um, challenged us. And so many organisations have been set up in Jesus' name um, that do Compassion. Think about Wilberforce who ended slavery back then. We know it's still a problem now. Think about Compassion. Think about the Salvation Army. Um, there's so many things that Christians have started. Um, think about medicine. Um, Christians had um, a major force in starting hospitals and in caring for people. Think about education. It was Christians that first started schools and universities, although York Uni, I think, is an 80s university officially. Um, but I think, um, think the first 139 universities in the country were all started by Christians. Uh, think about how Jesus transforms friendships. Um, it was pretty countercultural when he said to love your enemies. Um, not many people before him said that. Um, think about all aspects of life. Um, Christianity, Jesus has had a, a big effect on the way we do life today. And the biggest effect is, is the cross. Um, Jesus' life didn't stop as a baby. We know he lived, we know he lived an excellent life and we read about his life in the Gospels and he taught us so much. But Jesus' life um, didn't end on the cross, did it? Um, he went to the cross for our sake and he died for our sins. And, um, but we know that he rose again in a while we're going to um, celebrate communion together and I've been thinking about this and communion sometimes can feel like it's the end of worship because often we do it at the end of a Christian service we finish with communion but communion really for me is the start of worship communion is where we like Simeon and like Anna we recognise who Jesus was we recognise that he is the saviour that we need we recognise that we need a saviour even we recognise that what he did for us on the cross is enough. And as we celebrate, I'd just like you to consider that. Um, think about this value of, of worshipping God fully. As you, um, as you take the bread, as you drink the wine, um, use that as a, as a moment to just to recognise before God that actually um, I recognise that what you did was enough. I recognise that you're the true meaning behind Christmas. And let's use communion as a way to, to reconnect with, with the message and, and pray into that. So we're going to celebrate that in a while, so if those that are helping me could come out, that would be great. Um, just if you could come to the front. Um, I'm going to pray in, in a minute, and Christian's going to come and pray for us as well as the community before we celebrate communion. But as we, as we do this, um, just a couple of pictures to share that came before. Um, one before, as we prayed before the meeting was... Um, we, we often meet friends for coffee. Um, some of us, when we meet a new person, a new friend, we go with expectant uh, hearts, we go with excitement, we've met someone new, we're going to learn things about them. And um, so maybe today um, you're coming for communion for the first time and you're very welcome if you want to have more of Jesus in your life. That's what we say to Jesus. If you want more of Jesus, then you're very welcome uh, to come for communion. Um, come with an expectant heart, come expectant to meet God. Um, or Jesus might be an old friend, you might have been following him for a long time. And it's great to meet old friends. Um, I graduated from university six years ago now, and um, my friends are kind of slowly dispersing across the UK and across the world. And um, last weekend we skyped our friends on the other side of the world, and it was great just to catch up and share 
fond memories of times we spent together. And um, communion can be like that. It's, it's coming to meet with God and just remembering the good times you've had together. Remember the hard times that he's been with you as well. Um, but one other word that came through was that actually sometimes when we meet friends and we might be worried about situations happened, something we've done wrong, they might judge us um, differently or think about us in a different way. Well, God's not the kind of guy that's going to get his coffee and throw it at you and walk out. He's going to buy you a new drink and sit you down and, and, and spend more time with you. So today, as, as you come, if there's something on your mind, something that you're worried about, then um, confess that before God and then just sit down with him again and enjoy some time with him.